And we're looking at Philippians chapter 4. Have you guys been noticing when you go to the grocery store, you go to the grocery store and you, you go to check out and the cashier or the automated thing tells you how much it is and you look at the number and then you look back at your cart and you think, I didn't buy that much. Have you been noticing that going on when you go to the grocery store? Or the, there's things that you always buy, you just always buy, so you just never really pay attention to the price, but every once in a while you go to grab it and you look down at your price and you think, that's not how that much that used to cost. You know, and just everything's going up. Or utility bills. Aren't utility bills wonderful? <laughs> uh, I've been watching my own utility bills. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that or if you're in the same scenario, but you have your, your gas bill, your electric bill, your water bill, and if you own your home, you have your sewage bill. So you have four bills there. And, and I've been watching those four together, and I've been noticing that with those four together, I have a second mortgage payment. <laughs> have you guys been noticing that? The utilities are rivaling our mortgage payment or our rent. That's crazy. That's a lot of money, isn't it? And then that's stressful, isn't it? Because for some of us, we watch that go up, and we watch our income stay in the same spot. We're like, more expenses, not more income? How am I going to make this up? And that's stressful. That's, that makes us kind of panicky and frustrated. And, and we notice it, right? We notice it when those things happen. We also notice something that if this happens, we tend not to complain if we, if we get a pay increase. You know, like some of you received an increase in Social Security or maybe you have a job and you got a, uh, a raise or a, a promotion. I've never, ever noticed somebody get a raise or a promotion or some kind of income increase and go, well, I'm just having a lousy day. Why are you having a lousy day? Well, my boss decided to pay me more money. It's just terrible, you know. And, or I've never seen people be sacrificial when that happens. You know, I've never heard someone say, to, you know, my boss wanted to give me a raise, but I told him no. Because I didn't want to add to the inflation or anything, so I just wanted to make sure that I was being concerned for other people. So I said, no, keep the money keep the prices lower, and, and I'll be good, right? I've never, have you heard anybody ever do that? I've never heard that before. So we are in a tight spot, some of us, financially, and, and we have the income, and we have the expenses, and we're trying to figure out how to go together, trying to deal with our stress and our anxiety. And sometimes I think we don't realize that on the other end of that electric bill is a person over there that also needs to buy groceries and pay their mortgage and, and support their family and all of those things. Now, I know that there are CEOs out there that make a ton more money than everybody else. I know that's there. I know that there's price gouging. I know that there's dishonesty. But there still is a guy on the other side of that gas bill that needs to pay for his living just like you and I. And when we are going, I can't believe this costs so much, uh, I think sometimes we forget, and we talked about this verse last week. Do you remember Philippians 2, when Paul said, we need to not merely look out for our own interest, but also for the interest of others? But that's not easy nor natural, because we tend to just notice our needs, right? Because it's right in front of us, right? We're feeling it. We're experiencing it. We know all the details, and that's what we feel, but we tend to forget that and we have to try to do, that's a discipline, that's an exercise to work towards being mindful of the needs of those 
around us. So there's that utility bill. And I'm thinking about me. But I need to think about that on the other side is somebody else who needs... When I call, when my electric goes out and we call, we expect someone to be there to answer that phone, don't we? There needs to be a guy in the chair at the desk at the phone answering my call when I'm calling. How does that happen? That happens because somebody paid a bill that enabled them to pay someone to be an employee that's sitting there to answer the phone or come out to your house when it's the, uh, the gas is down and to take care of those things. I used to work in insurance, and because I've worked in insurance, I was a sales and customer service uh, agent, and because I worked in that, you know what I never complain about? My insurance bill. You know why I never complain about my insurance bill? Because I know why it's there. Because when I would sell insurance, I, I was very familiar with how much insurance premiums cost. And I know some of you are very familiar with how much insurance premiums cost. But I also ran claims reports, and I was very familiar with how much claims cost. And there'd be a $1,000 a year homeowner's insurance premium. And people would come in. I'd be sympathetic when people would come in and complain, you know, I, uh, this is too much of things. But on a fixed income, and they're wrestling with that, and I would hear them out and guide them and those kind of things. But I would then later sell an insurance policy, pull up a claims report, and see a homeowner's claim for $150,000. Now, I want you to think about for a second, $150,000. That wipes out 150 annual premiums with one claim. You know, when we are, and again, not that it's not a real thing, but when we complain about the food costs or the utility bills or our rent and all of those things, that's economics. Did anybody ever take economics? No? That's economics, that there is something that has to be paid for over there. That, that money, did you know money doesn't just come from nowhere? Did you know that? Your paycheck comes from somewhere, okay? Even if you're on Social Security, that paycheck comes from somewhere. That paycheck that you're getting is coming because somebody else is paying taxes out of their income, and that's coming your way. Every time that we get income, it's coming from somewhere. And so when we pay, we're giving, when we receive, we're receiving, and it's an exchange that's happening, and that's what's taking place. And we have to learn to, to know how to deal with that reality that that's why it's there. And we can't just complain it to change, and we can't just make it change. But at the same time, you and I, we still have bills to pay, right? So even though that gas guy or that insurance guy needs to pay his bills, I still need to pay my bills, right? And we, we stress and struggle with that, and we think about a, a verse that is oftentimes quoted, and it's a verse that is quoted here in Philippians 4, in verse 19, which says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that, don't you hope that that's a reality, right? You, you want to receive that. There's some things in Scripture that you hear it, and you don't really want to receive that, you know? Be slow to speak and quick to listen. I don't know if I want to receive that, right? You know, be patient with one another, forgiving one another. But my God will supply all your needs. I'm good with that one, right? We want to receive that. But sometimes we just grab onto a verse that it's that, that statement by itself just sounds great, right? We love that verse. But we don't realize that that statement isn't in a vacuum. That statement is built upon other things that are happening in the lives of this Philippian church 
and what Paul is expressing to them. And in that context, Paul can say, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But some of you in your heart, you might not be saying out loud, but some of you in your heart, you're thinking, he ain't doing that for me. <laughs> Wasn't sure if I'd get chuckles out of that, but I did. Where are my provisions that God said he would provide for me? Some of you are thinking, but I'm tight. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Where is this? My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Where is that? Well, perhaps the reason why we're not feeling that, seeing that, experiencing that is because maybe we're not actually living out the context with which that statement is found in. So let's look at the context of which that is found in and see if there might be something to discover. Philippians 4, beginning at verse 10, Paul says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now that's also another statement that we quote a lot, isn't it? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But did you know that that does not mean that you can take care of the electrical work in your house? You know, I don't know if you're going to look at a circuit box or electric breaker and some wirings issue and you're just standing there going, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know if I'm going to touch that. You might. I don't know if I'm going to touch that. Okay? Or if someone says, you know, I need brain surgery. I need a tumor removed. Will you do it? Well, sure. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't really translate the way that we try to translate that sometimes. Because it's not sitting in a vacuum. That statement is sitting within a context with what Paul is saying. So what is he saying that I can do? He's speaking of character. He's saying I can, when he's talking about scenarios in which he has enough, and he knows how to live in that space. Scenarios in which he doesn't have enough, and he knows how to live in that space. He knows to be content and okay. He knows how to do that in whatever circumstances he's in. And it is in that that he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Because he has faith to believe that. And he's not saying only when things are okay. Because you see, sometimes we think, I will not be anxious anymore when I have more money. When I have lower bills. When people are nicer to me. When people are... But no, Paul is better. No, 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 no. I mean, it's great when that happens, isn't it? That's awesome. But no, Paul is saying that no matter what circumstances I am in, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, which means that I need to trust. So whatever you're in, I don't know what your pay is. I don't know what your expenses are. But you can actually say that to the situation that you're presently in. I can do this. I can make this work. I can walk through these circumstances without being anxious. I can do that because Christ Jesus is strengthening me. I can do that. But do you have faith to be able to walk through that? But he also says that no matter what circumstances I am in, I have learned to be content. 
Some of us are not really content with where we are right now, are we? You know, we complain, we express our frustrations. We're not really content with where we are. And we don't know how to not be anxious or stressed or worried. And we, again, we tend to wait for God to fix things before we start being content. But Paul says, no, no, no. I have learned the secret of no matter what kind of circumstances I find myself in, my body's falling apart, everybody hates me, and I have too many bills, and I don't have enough to pay for it, and I don't know what to do. But despite that, I'm okay. I want you to think about that. From all the circumstances that you're in, can you sit right now in those circumstances and say, I'm okay. I can be content in whatever circumstances I am in. And I can do that because I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. But it's not just having faith. It's not just being content because, see, this is what the uh, my God will supply all your needs according to his, his riches and glory is built upon. It's building upon, building upon a person who has faith in believing that God will do that for me. A person who is being content enough to being okay with whatever it is. He's, we just sung earlier that he gives and takes away. You remember that? He gives and takes away. So if I have a lot, great. If I have almost nothing, great. That's fine. I'm content. But he also said that he learned how to live with plenty, and he learned how to live with almost nothing. He is speaking of being financially responsible. Did you know that there's a way to live when you don't have much of anything? And that is, sometimes we have a house project that needs to be taken care of. It's a need. It, it should be taken care of, but we don't have the money for it, okay? The way we live when we don't have enough, what do you do with that project? I can't get that project done right now because I don't have the money for it. I'm making sure I don't spend. I'm holding back, but some people just, we just want to spend anyway, right? We just want to keep spending. That's where debt comes into the picture, right? I just want to keep spending anyway, but no, learning how to live with little is learning how to live within our means. But then when we have more than what we have need of, and some of you are thinking, I don't know what that feels like. But when we have more than what we need, there's a way to live in that space. And the way to live in that space isn't to spend every bit of it that we have. You know, because sometimes when we live in that space, we think, all right, I have money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to spend that. Uh, and I'm going to make sure I get... Some people think the goal to our checking account is to keep it at zero. Did you know that's not the goal of your checking account? Okay, because, one, if that housing project needs to be taken care of and you have the funds, well, now I can take care of that. That's knowing how to live within the place that I'm in. But also, we know that sometimes things show up out of nowhere. Have you ever taken your car to the mechanic just for an oil change? And then you got that phone call? You need brakes. You need new rotors. You need four new tires and you need uh, an alignment, and your transmission's going. <laughs> Have you ever had phone calls like that? You're like, I just wanted to pay for an oil change. What are you talking about? And it came out of nowhere. You know what takes care of that? Just wishful thinking and just hoping that God will just make it go away. Other than what Sydney thinks, I want you to know that's not actual faith. Actual faithful faith is knowing that those things might come along at some point 
and I need to be prepared for them. So when I make more than what I actually need, I'm going to set some money aside. You know what that's called? That's called savings. Have you ever heard of that, savings accounts? I know it's a new concept. But there are savings accounts out there at the banks that you guys bank with that you can put some money aside. I know that, again, the goal is to get that thing down to zero, but you can actually put money aside over there. When I worked in insurance, I had a base pay and I, had, and I made commission. And we needed some of that commission money to take care of so, certain bills. But there were some months, because it got paid monthly, that commission, there were some months that that was a high commission and some months that that was not so high of a commission. Some months the commission was more than what I needed for that, whatever we were using it for, and some months there was not enough to cover that. So guess what I did when I had the high months? I spent it all and went on a great trip to Hawaii. I put it aside so that when the month came that there wasn't enough from commission, the know how to function with my fun- used it. And Paul was saying, listen, I know how to function with my finances. I know how to manage my finances. And so if I manage my finances well and I'm financially responsible, that's what that verse 19 is built upon. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We cannot be bad with our money and then ask God, where is he when we need our needs provided for? He has given us wisdom. He's given us insight. We're not dummies, right? He's given us insight and all of those kind of things, and we need to be financially responsible in order for us. I know that we would prefer it to all be on God and none of it on us, but it's on us. Sometimes that, that car maintenance bill, the money was there. We just spent it on something else. And, we ha- and I get, get it. I get it. It's not fun paying a utility bill, right? You know, what does that gas bill add to your life anyway? You know, it's not fun paying it. We would rather go out to eat, go on a vacation, buy some more clothes, whatever. Those are the fun things, right? We don't want to spend the money on the not fun things. But what are the most important bills? The ones that aren't so fun. And we have to be financially responsible. Now, there's, there's, a, there's still a more narrow context to what the, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, sits in. And that is, we move on to verse 14, which Paul says this. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, You entered into a partnership with me in the matter of giving and receiving. We know this reality that when we go to uh, the mechanic and we receive mechanic treatment for our car, we receive, and then what do we end up doing? We give. We pay for the bill. Same with the internet service we have in our house and the utilities. Same with if a plumber comes or a contractor comes to take care of some work in your house. We receive that work, and then what do we do? We give to that work. Okay? We have this concept of giving and receiving. Now, there are some people in our lives, some of us have plumber friends. You know, I'm still looking for my doctor friend out there somewhere. Okay? We have plumber friends, Sean. <laughs> we have contractor friends, Cameron. <laughs> And sometimes those friends will do work for us, and they say, you know what, I just wanted to do that for you as a friend, right? Sometimes they do things for free for us. 
But then there's other times that, that we should recognize that we just received, they just fixed something for us. So we need to give. They didn't give us a bill, but we still need to give. We do that when we go to a restaurant, right? We know that, that on that bill, when we, we receive the check, nothing ex- on most places, some places include it, but nothing, it suggests a tip, but it's blank. That thing doesn't say you owe a tip, right? On most receipts. But do we give a tip? We do. We didn't get a bill for the tip, but we gave a tip because we know that that server gets paid based on the idea that they're going to receive tips. And so we give the, they didn't say, hey, you need to give me a tip, right? They didn't say, hey, I'm living off of tips here, so you need to give me a tip before you leave. They didn't say that. There was nothing expressed, but we still gave it. Why? Because we received service from them, and then we gave something to them in return. And Paul here is expressing because he is a minister of the gospel. And he has needs for himself as a minister, as well as the work of the gospel. And when he is doing that, he is giving into people's lives. And they are receiving, and then there is this need to give and receive. Now this is a topic of conversation that is not the most comfortable conversation for a minister to present to one another. Uh, But it is something that is in Scripture, and that, that is that you guys receive every Sunday that you're here. You receive a service. You receive me uh, bringing the Word of God to you and teaching you how to follow the Lord. When you come on Wednesdays, you're receiving that. And every week, I stand up and say, your invoice is coming in the mail, and just, just put a check in there and send it back, and we'll be good. No, we don't do that. And then when some of you come, you need guidance and counseling, and some of you have spent time outside of Wednesday and Sunday. Some of you receive ministry, and mind you, uh, I do ministry for free, and I also do ministry in which I receive an income for. Some of you receive ministry from people at Bethel that are not me. And you think, well, pastor didn't do that. This person is the one who's been working in my life. And sometimes that just comes out of nowhere. But did you know that a lot of times that doesn't come just out of nowhere? There's somebody around here in this room that likes to coordinate things and teach and train people how to do things, try to coerce people into doing things. And as a result, there are people other than me that are doing things in your life. And you know where that's coming from? That's coming from another person in this room that you must week in because you are receiving service week in and week out. Service in which I'm not asking for a tip, but service in which you're receiving, and there is that idea of giving and receiving. There is the need to sow into the ministry that we are receiving from. And I also want you to note that you are sitting in a room that's heated. Did you know that? And on hot summers, you are sitting in a room that is cool. Did you know that, that the church a church does not have to pay utilities? Did you know that? We don't get bills for gas and electric and water. Did you know? No, I'm just being sarcastic. We get a bill. And I want you to notice how high these ceilings are. It's really cheap to heat this room. <laughs> it is not cheap to heat this room. That, that, there is an expense to that. And so when you give in the offering... That's not all going to me, you know? I, I don't know if some people think that. That's not all going to me. There's utility expense, and I'm actually amazed at how much the utilities cost to take care of this facility. There's utilities. There's insurance. Um, there's legal service things. There's Internet. There's, there's 
support that goes out to missionaries. Uh, there's maintenance. Uh, did you know that there's been, uh, we've done maintenance projects within the last year that one maintenance project cost over one month's offerings. Over one month's offerings is for one maintenance project. So I want you to keep in mind that you are receiving something. And again, don't mishear me. I'm not those guys on TV. You know those guys on TV that say, you know, you're receiving from the Lord. And I know there's someone out there. And they almost get this like voodoo thing going. You know, there's someone out there who's got this going on. And if you send in a check for $10,000, then all your problems are going to go. It's seed money, right? Uh, I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you that, and this, this applies in ministry, this applies with the contractor, this applies with the plumber, this applies to everything that we are operating in life. Are we living by the principle of giving and receiving? If somebody is giving into my life, then I need to be giving back into them because I'm receiving and I should be giving. And when we say that line, and my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, he says that to a Philippian church that he knows practices the giving and receiving concept. Now, does that mean that if I don't put something in the offering, God's going to take away my income? Obviously, no, because some of you have not put anything in offering, and you still received an income. But there is something to the reality of whether or not we are taking care of those things. And I tell you this because we as a church, we have needs. Did you notice that Paul said in here, he said, uh, yet it was kind of you to share with my trouble. If there are utility bills that need to be paid, guess who is primarily responsible to make sure those take, get taken care of? You know, like, you can decide, I'm just going to go to another church, you know, because they're not heating that place anymore, so I'm going to go to another one. You could do that. Guess who can't do that? Me. Okay, I know Bonnie's the one who's our, our administrative assistant. She writes the check or she sets things up so that it gets taken care of. But I have the, the privilege of carrying the burden of having to know that we need enough resources coming in so that we can take care of staffing myself and Bonnie, that we can take care of the utilities and the maintenance and, and the insurance and all of those things. And so where does that come from? That comes from a government check that we get in the mail every month. That comes from you choosing to willingly give into the kingdom of God. And like Paul, who says, and I didn't read it yet, but 17, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul is saying that, and I am saying that because ministry is either restrained or improved based on the resources that are available. Okay? So there are certain projects, like some of you would love for us to take care of the women's bathroom. But there are certain projects that they take money and we have to make sure that we're being responsible. Did you know all those financially responsible things that were in that 10 to 14 verses? Did you know that he's actually talking about ministry financial responsibility more than he is personal? They applied to personal, but he's talking about ministry financially. Uh, so when you guys give, we are first priority. And I know that making great building things, uh, you know, fixing things up, uh, doing great programs. Those are the things that feel fun, right? Those are the things that feel like something's going on. But if we told you that when you gave, we took that money and we paid the gas bill, that doesn't feel as glorious, does it? You know, we don't get excited like, I helped pay the gas bill. That's so exciting, you know? We don't do that. But guess what needs to be paid first? 
the things that aren't so pretty. They have to be paid first. So when the offerings come in, we pay the bills first. That's what we do. And then whatever is left after that, that's when we decide, okay, we have enough to take care of that maintenance project and this maintenance project. And also, if you're a member and you've seen the financial accounting, you will know that we as a church practice savings. That's a lack of faith. Churches should never practice savings. They're supposed to spend the account down to zero. That's the way the principle works, right? No, we don't have cost upwards to 50 have some looming uh, maintenance things that are going to cost upwards to $50,000 and so forth. Uh, we don't know when they're coming and stuff, but we know that they're likely coming. And so we know that we need to have some money set aside to prepare for that. We know that sometimes there are seasons where there's inflation and there's different issues that show up that we know that offerings might not actually match what expenses are. And so we make sure that we are prepared for that because God tells us to be financially responsible. And so when you think, where is the new kitchen? Where is the new women's bathroom? What we are asking is, will you please be patient with us? Because we're trying to pay the bills. And we're trusting on you to help us to be able to take care of that. Why? Not because we're seeking the gift, but because we're seeking the kingdom of God. We want to be able to do the ministry that we're trying to do. And we want to be able to, to take care of the things we're trying to take care of. And we are counting on you to participate in the giving and receiving. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, so, thank you, Hamilton. That's why I asked him to be here this morning. <laughs> um, and when you pay that gas bill... As much as that doesn't really add much to your life. Although if you've ever walked down gratitude lane, if you've ever done that before, it's fun to do. Lord, thank you that it's 18 degrees outside and I'm in a heated home. If you've ever done that before. But most of the time, we don't think, I'm so grateful that I have this gas bill. We usually complain about that. Uh, and what I want to encourage you to keep in mind is... We will provide Sunday morning and Wednesday, evenings, or Wednesday evening ministry to you every single week, okay? Sometimes that might be all that's there. Sometimes there might be more than that. But all of that is dependent upon the resources that we have both financially, and I say both, fi multiple things, financially, people resources, skills and talent resources, time resources, all things that we are waiting for other people to jump in, and some people have, to participate in giving and receiving. The giving and receiving isn't just money. The giving and receiving is everybody is receiving ministry and giving ministry. And the more that more of us do that, the more things will happen. Did you know that you can't pay me enough money to give me 30 hours in a 24-hour day? Did you know you can't do that? You can't. I would love if you could. If you figured that out, please see me after service. I would love to find out that magic formula. But it's not all about money. There's a lot of things that need to be taken care of, and we need uh, to work with one another to take care of that. Now the question is, how much should I give? And the answer is $2 a week, and we'll be good. If you put $2 in the offering a week, we'll be okay. The answer is um, a word that, that people really wrestle with. And I want you to know something. We have a tax, we have tax statements back there. The only reason we have them is if you let us know that you gave money. You could throw a casting offering. We have no idea who that came from or what. 
And even if you gave in the form of a check or you put a name on an offering envelope, even then, we don't know if you're tithing. We don't know what your income is. Did you know we don't collect your W-2? We don't know what your income is. You could be making $500,000 a year. We have no idea. We could just be assuming that you're making twenty. I don't know. We don't know. Uh, I'm not going to show up at your house. You know what? Bonnie doesn't send me a report and say, so-and-so didn't give in the offering this week. You need to go visit them. I don't do that. In fact, I, for, for the most part, I don't know what you guys give. Bonnie knows. I have no idea. You could be giving nothing. You could be giving $300,000 a year. I have no idea. You're definitely not giving that because we don't have $300,000 a year. <laughs> but I have no idea how much you're giving. But that, that is something between you and the Lord. Okay? Again, the accounting is just for your sake, for taxing pur- tax purposes and so forth. But that's between you and God, how much you give. But I want you to know that, that what the Lord teaches in Scripture is the idea of tithing. Now, I know people wrestle with that idea, and you have some references near the bottom of your notes. Uh, but in the Old Testament, there is a consistent teaching of the idea of tithing. Now, what tithing is, is, is we give 10% of our gross income to the body of Christ that we're a part of. I've been doing that uh, ever since I came to know Christ when I was 18, giving 10% of my gross income to the body of Christ. Uh, and whether I'm on staff or not on staff, I've been doing that because that's between me and the Lord to, to do that. And the Old Testament consistently taught that, and, and the reason why that was happening is the resources were going into the temple to take care of the work and services of the temple, to maintain of the building of the temple, as well as the service of the priests and, and the Levites to be taken care of for providing the service of the temple. Now, the question that people have is, well, but we're in New Testament age, so we don't need to do Old Testament stuff because we're in New Testament age. Um, Old Testament said, you shall not commit murder. Are we good now because that was in the Old Testament and that's not a New Testament principle? Old Testament said you shall not steal. Are we good now? Because that was Old Testament principle. We don't need to live by that anymore. So after, because <laughs> we're a New Testament, have your way with whoever you want to take out. Because uh, <laughs> we're a New Testament age. No, the Old Testament, New Testament is there are some Old Testament things that got fulfilled by what Jesus Christ the person did. And there were some things that were not fulfilled. Obviously, otherwise, we would be crazy if we would think the you shall not murder is lifted. But the question is, is tithing lifted? Is that an Old Testament principle that Jesus fulfilled? Well, in the New Testament, Jesus, and you have the references in, in two places in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus, now, he was primarily confronting the Pharisees because they weren't treating people correctly. He talked about mercy. He talked about honoring your father and your mother. But he was pointing out that the Pharisees were tithing. And you know what he said to them? Again, primarily he's correcting their behavior towards people, but he said to them, you should have been doing both. Which indirectly is telling us that Jesus was affirming the idea that you should have also been tithing as well as treating people the way you should be treating them. So Jesus was affirming that that was not a principle that was done away with. But also if you think through Malachi 3, and I didn't put the, I didn't put the, the 3 on there, but that's in Malachi chapter 3, which talks about the idea of tithing and this idea that of giving-receiving, where if I tithe into the kingdom of God, I will receive the benefits and provisions that God is going to bring into my life. Now, does that not sound familiar? Didn't we just read in Philippians chapter 4 that we need to be in partnership of giving and receiving? And in that giving and receiving is the context that in my God will supply all my needs. And you have a number of references on that outline for you that that principle continued throughout the New Testament, the idea of giving and receiving. It just didn't always had 
have the word tithe attached to it. But you know what it did have attached to it? Well, when Jesus said, you have heard it was said, you shall not murder. What did he say? Did he say, so I'm going to try to make it easy on you and just say, just keep it there. No, Jesus said, you shall not even hate in your heart. Jesus took it further. When Jesus said, you've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery, Jesus didn't say that's good enough. Jesus took it further and said, you shall not even lust after a woman. Jesus took it further. You know why? Because the Old Testament is the floor. The Old Testament is the bare minimums. The Old Testament is, if you do nothing else, at least do this. But the New Testament is, you know what God wants? All of you. That's why when the widow put in the two mites... Jesus said, look, she put in all that she had. That's why when the rich young ruler was conflicted in his conscience and he came before God and sa- or Jesus and said, what do I do? He said to the rich young ruler, sell all you have and give it away. All of it. We are called to be a living sacrifice before God. Now, does that mean that we need to literally give all that we have into the, the offering? No, it doesn't mean that. And no, we're not going to check on that. And no, I'm not actually asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do is ask yourself, Am I involved in this whole scenario of giving and receiving? And I, I take care of it over here when I receive my gas in my house, my running water, my electricity, my internet, my cell phone bill. When I receive, the contractor takes care of, the plumber takes care of, I give out. When the server comes, I give out. When I receive, I give. Are we participating in that in the body of Christ as well? Because the body of Christ has a mission to achieve, and we need the resources to achieve it. Are you willing to participate in the act of giving and receiving? Will you stand with me? Worship team, will you come and prepare to lead us? Again, and all the tithers said amen. (laughs) I uh, truly hope that you hear my heart. And if you've been here long enough, I've, I've been pastoring this church coming near of six years. And... I've probably preached maybe two, three at the most, counting this one, messages on this idea. Because I try to be passive with it because I don't, I don't want you to think that, because I'm not. I'm not in it for the money. In fact, if this church got to a point where I could not have the income to live off of in the ministry, you know what I would do? I've been making sure I keep my insurance license and I would go back to work in insurance and I would continue to pastor this church. Uh, but that would limit what I could do if my working hours couldn't be dedicated to this as well. Uh, so, but I'm in it for the ministry. I'm in it for the kingdom. And that's why I'm, I'm laid back. In fact, some of you have tried to get me to preach this message more often. <laughs> not me. I have to be talked into it. Because I'm not after the gift. I'm after the credit that increases to your account. And don't believe those TV preachers that make you to believe that your, your bank account is going to get inflated if you give to the ministry of the kingdom. That's not the credit that, that Paul is talking about. He's talking about the credit that when we stand before God at the judgment and he asks us, how did we participate in the work of the kingdom of God? We will give an account to him and we will have credit as we stand before him if we participated in giving and receiving financially, time, energy, talent, 
resources, all of those things, participating because the body of Christ is more than pastor. The body of Christ is more than board. The body of Christ is more than building. The body of Christ is more than that. It's you and I making the mission take place. And you could begin playing uh, whatever you feel led to. But you are here and you would say, but I'm stressed. I honestly don't know if I put anything in that offering plate if I'll be able to pay my bills. And if that's the case, you know what I have to say? Pay your bill. Pay your bill. But did you know that in this same chapter, this is another, another verse we quote, in this same chapter in verse 6 and 7 is where we find Paul saying, right before he tells us all this stuff, is where we find Paul saying, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, present your request before God. These statements, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, and be anxious for nothing. These statements that we quote often are not found in a vacuum. They're found, built upon, within a context of a people that are being faithful to the kingdom of God. And so if you're here this morning and you're anxious and you're looking at your life and you're realizing, I don't believe that Jesus is going to take care of me. I don't believe that he's going to provide for me. Then this morning you have a faith, faith issue that you need to deal with before the Lord. And there is no human being here that can heal that. Only the work of the Holy Spirit can heal that. And as they lead us, then come to this place. In fact, you can begin to come now if that's you. Anxious, you don't believe God's going to take care of you. Come and seek Him and let Him build faith into your life. Or maybe you're here because you're not content. Maybe you are paying all your bills. It just doesn't, it just feels tight. Maybe you do have enough food to live off of. It's just not the kind of food you want to have. But you have all that you need. But you've been discontent. Then that's something that we need to deal with before the Lord. Because maybe we're actually fine. We just feel like we're not. And we need to wrestle with the Lord this morning. Or maybe you've recognized that you've not been financially responsible. You've been pointing the finger at God. But maybe the finger needs to be pointed at me. Maybe I'm a part of the issue. And I need to begin to be responsible for the resources that God has given me. Or maybe you're here and you've not been participating in the matter of giving and receiving and you recognize, you know, I've been receiving, I need to participate in that. But you're scared, you're anxious, you're concerned. Well, guess who is the one can, that can take care of all that anxiety? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So come then. You're anxious, come. Present your request before him. You're stressed, you're discontent, you're not satisfied, you're confused. Come and let him sweep over you a wave of the peace that surpasses all understanding. Let's seek him this morning. For a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes in a moment here and give you an invitation to receive prayer. But I want to encourage you, there's nothing magical about the altar. Because there are many times that, that 
call you forward and some of you do, some of you don't, and then I give an invitation, which is really the same invitation I just gave, but then I just ask for a simple show of hands. And there are many people that did not come forward that will raise hands, and that, that's fine. And God can touch you where you are. But James taught us in his letter, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The more willing we are to, to in action, move towards him, I'm telling you, sometimes you, you're reluctant, you feel the need to come and you're reluctant to come, you're missing out on something. Just draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You're missing out on something. And that doesn't mean there's not another opportunity. In fact, if, if you feel convicted by that, when we conclude, you could still, these, this spot will still be here. It's not going to disappear. You can come and still seek Him. But I say this for your own benefit. Don't miss the opportunity to draw near to God. There might be anxiety that's taken away just in the action of coming forward. There might be problems that get resolved just by that simple act. So keep that in mind as the Lord moves in your life and draws you. But I still would like to pray with you and for you. So if you would, heads bowed and eyes closed. And you're here this morning. And you would say, I am anxious about my circumstances. And I would like the Lord to help me not to be anxious, but to be content in the circumstances I'm in. I'm going to count on him to provide for me and perhaps change that but I need his help so that I can do all things through him who strengthens me so with head, heads bowed and eyes closed and you'd like me to pray for that with you just lift your hand and let me know that that's you okay good good anybody else good what good good anybody else Pastor Danny please pray for me on, on this anybody else lift your hands good anybody else so Lord you see these hands, and we're asking that you would relieve the anxiety that's within us. When it starts to well up, when the expenses are in my face, when my lack of income is staring me in the face, Lord, may you let your Holy Spirit come into them in such a powerful way that they experience your peace that surpasses all understanding, that anxiety, stress, agitation and irritation and all of those feelings and worry just begin to melt away. And may you help them to fully trust and rely upon you that you will supply my every need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Help us to have that faith and to experience that, the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the provisions that God brings. And help us, Lord, to live in every way that you call us to live. So that if nothing else, it cannot be said that we didn't fight the good fight. It cannot be said that we didn't do what we were supposed to. And that you will enable us to be content. If we're well fed, if we're hungry, to be content. In our highs and in our lows. In plenty and in seasons of famine. Help us to be content. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So I want you to know that as a, as a church, uh, us, myself, and the board are aware that, that uh, 
there are certain limitations financially that are likely coming our way, and, and we're, not, we're not in the red or anything, but God has given us some wise individuals on the board, so we'll exercise wisdom to do what we need to. And we believe that that statement, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We believe that God will supply the needs for the church. We believe that. We're going to be good stewards of what he gives us, and we're going to be content with what we have. And I pray that that's the same outlook that you have for your own personal finances and that you participate in the kingdom, uh, that you help us to do the work of the kingdom. And next week, have you ever asked yourself, do I really have faith? I say that I have faith, but what if faith, what if faith was similar to optimism? What if faith meant that I actually believed that these things were happening? What did Jesus say? If we say to the mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, if we believe it, it will happen. But do you ever wrestle with things of faith like that? So next week, we're going to begin a journey on how can we have that kind of faith. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of faith? We're going to begin to look at that next week. So I hope you'll be here. I love you guys. God bless you. See you Wednesday. God bless.